Good evening and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, currently being hosted by myself, Steve, and Ed M. and Ed P. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Um, should we start off with the good news? There's good news? Yeah, it's very good news. Um, children can no longer, without any caution, see Mary Poppins. And I think that's very good news. I think it's a major victory for us parents and for keeping decency alive in the world. So, ah, that's true. Apparently, they have, raised, a, they have raised the Mary Poppins uh, rating from G to uh, PG. Now, I only skimmed the article. It's a word that was racist or a word that could possibly be deemed as racist. I think it was the word Hottentot, to be honest. Which I didn't know was racist. There was there is a uh, ethnicity in in Southern Africa that were called the Hottentots. I suppose that's not what they call themselves. Um, they probably have some sort of uh, you know name for themselves in their own language, like Deutsch as opposed to German. Um, but they were called Hottentots, and apparently that's the uh, that's the word that required. Uh, Parental guidance. And it took like how many years? Barry Poppins is what, 60 years old or something? 70? Well, but that's part something of the like game, that. right? I mean, if if it were an obviously racist term, then it wouldn't have the same effect as something that, that you can't know in advance. I mean, they have to be able to have, uh, you know, sudden uh, inexplicable accusations that come out of nowhere, because otherwise you'd be able to defend yourself against them. Part of the whole game is it's got to be something that's out of left field. Yeah, it's it's the flocking behavior, right, that I've said. I don't think there's anybody in charge. It's not like George Soros is sitting in his mastermind and in his evil castle with lightning going around. I'm like, let's cancel Mary Poppins today. It's Who it's came sort of, up with it? Like, who woke up one morning and said, we got a problem with Mary Poppins? The weird thing is the United Kingdom uh, is is way worse than the United States in some of these crazy uh, things. And I, th this was a uh, this was a United Kingdom e decision. I mean, did they somehow um, tie J.K. Rowling to it? No, but she's running all the way to the bank. Apparently, they're going to redo the Harry Potter series and uh, on a streaming platform and uh she's gonna make a ton of money because they hate her they still hate her every time she says something they hate her so I, you know I, i'm wondering about the tree falling in the forest thing if you say a word that nobody knows is racist is it racist According I think to them, it is that's the whole thing it's got to be something that you couldn't have defended yourself against you could have you couldn't prepare for that's their whole game they you're you're trying to come up with something that is in in the context of a logical, rational, uh, objective framework, and that's not who they are. They they want they want the inexplicable. They want the the unexplainable because they don't want to have. They never want to have to answer for their for their actions because their actions are indefensible. So it has to be something that is that makes absolutely no sense because then you when you try and explain it, there's there's no explanation. There's no defending. There's nothing. So we well, I mean, it is the nineteen, it is the nineteen eighty four behavior, right? Because it is attempting to force people to say things that are patently untrue, like men are men can become women is the obvious one. But um, right. 
that, uh, you know, almost everything within the current woke arena is is forcing people to say things that they know that they know are not true. The Federal Bureau of Investigation just put out a uh, a warning about shoplifting, which has become an epidemic in certain inner city areas because of the lack of policing. And uh, in their little graphic, all the shoplifters <laughs> were white. <laughs> and like, I mean, right? You it, it, you can't even you can't make this stuff up, right? Um, now I'm sure there's some white shoplifters, but uh, you know the vast majority of them in these inner city uh, areas that are doing this shoplifting ep- epidemic that is destroying whole whole shopping communities, like in San Francisco, are are entirely black black gangs black youth gangs. Uh, but the FBI puts out this um, nice little poster showing <laughs> these well-dressed white ladies <laughs> shoplifting. It's it's funny, really, if it wasn't so sad. So do we, I mean, Ed, I know you're a lawyer, so you don't like the idea of suing willy-nilly, but can we like sue the Department of Education for allowing us to get all of our education and never have learned which words are racist? No. And even if, even if, I mean, the answer is no in our current system. And I wouldn't want a system where we could, I don't want judges deciding those kinds of things. But how do we, okay. How do we force the government to, educate us as to what is racist so we don't god forbid fall into this trap well again i mean there's no there's no working together with these people there's no there's no way to integrate us in the same system and and us survive the only solution is separation from them some people like to say secession i just like to say separation there's the we we can't live under the same roof with them because there's no way to there's no rule we could implement that would make them be rational. And that's what you're trying to come up with. There's no there's no rule we can come up with. OK, but let's say I woke up and I wanted to join them. Where could I go to learn these things? You'd have to understand, you know, Ed brought up 1984. If the party says two plus two is five, it's five. And it always was five. That's the point. Right. right. It's not, it's not our behavior though. The behavior though today is different than 1984. In 1984, there was the inner party and, you know, maybe there was someone called big brother, but, um, you know, it was a small clique of people who uh, decide what is and is not acceptable and what part of history needs to be erased, et cetera. And in the United States today, it's not, it's, it's very bottom up. It's, it's very much, you know, kids on Tumblr and and Twitter and TikTok, um, you know, extending the things they're learning from their woke professors into the cultural sphere. I sincerely doubt there's some professor saying, oh, you've got to cancel um, Mary Poppins, but they teach these classes in, you know, sensitivity and inclusion and diversity and whatnot. And then these children uh, say, hey, didn't weren't they weren't they racist in Mary Poppins? And uh, and then there's a movement online starting somewhere and eventually it gets up to some idiot in uh, um, you know the British government and and this is what happens. So it's a, it's 
it's a very bottom up thing. Okay, so it's a bottom up cultural revolution, but I and I don't yes. really belabor this far too much, especially we don't have our British correspondent. But what percentage of people in the group we're talking about has ever even heard of Mary Poppins, much less seen it? This is not like it's a movie that's out there every other day and people are talking about on the street. This is archaic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are in uh, old movies. Like, it used to be the case that you could no longer make a movie that is historically accurate or um, that, it you know, contains uh, the current, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic stuff. And, and you had to have inclusion, so you had to put in all the different races and all the different, you know, genders and whatnot to a movie. But the old movies would be left alone. Um, well, they've pretty much conquered new movies. You can't, I mean, you can't even, you can't even make a movie at Disney without having over 50%, you know, diverse and inclusive. And that's why, Disney's movies are making no money because they're just, they, they can't find enough people. So they're just hiring people who don't know anything. Um, so you, it's, it's kind of gotten to the point where they've, they've taken over the current, the, you know, the modernity and, and now they have to go back um, in the past. And I, I don't doubt that they'll be doing things eventually. Like you, you can no longer be qualified for an, an Oscar, for instance, without, so many diversity uh, quotients that you have to meet. So some, a movie like uh, Dunkirk, which was excellent, I liked it, um, would never qualify for an Academy Award anymore because since it was essentially about the British evacuation of Dunkirk and all the troops were British, uh, it was there was entirely white cast. Um, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. So uh, without, you know, if you want to be in contention for an Oscar, so you can't have that sort of movie now. So they, they've sort of conquered the present, but now they have to conquer the past. I mean, you, we, they'll be hey. taking Oscars away from movies. They'll be, they'll be making it. Uh, they are already subtly changing previous movies on streaming services so that you can't see the original um, because they, they subtly edit things out. Um, and, and they're, they're doing exactly what they said they would do in 1984. They're doing it much more subtly than the sort of ham-fisted way they do it in 1984, but they're doing exactly what it said now to try to conquer the past. And, um, um, I promise to move on from this topic, but when you have a moment, I know you have a teenaged son, would you be kind enough to ask him if he's ever seen or even heard of Mary Poppins? I will ask him. Because I know where my bets are, and I'm going to have to ask my granddaughter because my children are way too old, but I'm not even sure they heard of Mary Poppins. And my final comment on this issue is since the attorneys are not helping me, I'm going to reach out to my fellow um, men of the cloth and see if we can come up with some type of appropriate penance for people who are somehow unwittingly saying horrible words like the H word, which from now on will not be mentioned, which, by the way, I used to use all the time. I mean, it's just one of the common words I always use. <laughs> what hot and hot word? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You've never heard of hot and tots before? 
I thought it was something oh. you buy like at a carnival to eat or something. I don't know. A, a Hottentot is a specific ethnicity from Southern Africa. And if you uh, I, look, look, I'm just telling you what it is, man. I'm just wasn't this in the it was, it, chimney song it or is, something? It is this particular ethnicity is distinguished by large behind. And if you and I, Wait, I'm not Craig, making this up. If you Google, if you go, if you Google it, if you Google, no, 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 Google it, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, and I, you know, I learned this because I studied the history of South Africa. And, and okay, Ed P. Stuff Ed P. If we Google it, it's going to get into our history of browsing, and we're going to get a visit, <laughs> brother tomorrow. Well, not only that, but I don't from the FBI I don't yeah. Google anymore. There's yeah, so many things on you know in the. Search engines. I'm not sure I would trust it anymore. All right. Yes, I, I obviously Google is um, destroying their company's value. It's very interesting. Uh, this Gemini AI that you we've uh, all seen uh, in the last week. The Google Gemini AI, when asked to produce a picture of the founding fathers, <laughs> made them all black, and went, you know, and uh, basically it could not generate a picture of a white person to save its life. And uh, it was very, very funny. And everybody was making total fun of it. And, of course, it is funny because it is sort of wokeness um, turned up to 11. But um, they are – that was a Bud Light moment. No one is ever going to trust Google's AI anymore, uh, which, is, which is really interesting. I mean, they really screwed up. They destroyed a whole huge aspect of their company. In one day, and it and I think I I couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys, to be honest. But um, I thought it was very interesting. From your mouth to God's ears, I want to move to my neighborhood for a minute. Um, Adam, you're sort of from here. You ever hear of Creedmoor Psych Hospital? Of course. Okay, so it's a rather it's a nice sized campus. So it's not that far from where I live, and apparently they've been housing uh, young male asylum seekers there. And I see the other day that several of the extremely liberal Democratic uh, local politicians are out there making a lot of noise how we need to stop this. We should not expand it. It's not fair to the communities to have these young male asylum seekers anywhere nearby. And I am just absolutely dying from the hypocrisy of this. And these are literally the ones who were welcoming everybody in until it hit their neighborhood and people in their neighborhood complain, and now they sound like they're Republicans. They sound like xenophobic MAGA people. And so they're still going to vote for Biden, and, but yeah, but I hear these it. These he's are on the, the ballot. Of, some of these politicians I know personally. These are left-wing, straight up. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, we didn't know that there's young male asylum seekers here in our community. We can't have that. Obvious question being, if you can't have it, who should? And then our wonderful mayor is doing a about face and he wants to cooperate with ICE again. It's, it's really, again, it gets back to Paxton and DeSantis sending people up here and the brilliance of it and watching people squirm. To like literally go back on everything they professed very few short years ago. Well, to the extent that the, you know, the states can't uh, build barriers which texas is still doing or and you know keep people out to the extent they're not allowed to do that or constrained from doing that i think that all of these migrants should be shipped to sanctuary cities 
I, I, what I don't understand is why they haven't been shipped to, I mean, I, I get Chicago and New York and Boston and Philly and some of these, these horribly governed places, but why haven't they been shipped to Silicon Valley and San Francisco? Uh, that's where they should be shipped because in a lot of ways beyond New York, that's who controls the country now. I think they should ship hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them to Mountain View and, um, you know, Palo Alto. San Jose and Palo Alto and, and San Francisco. I mean, these are the people who really deserve these migrants and uh, they should get them good and hard. I agree 100 percent. But the, the one there's one aspect of this that's not really talked about. In, in in the stories about this and that's the more migrants they get the supreme court has said that they have to be counted in the census so it's gonna it's gonna help increase their their representation in in the house of representatives now i think that should just be overturned and i think that we yeah, should get a new administration that does a massive deportation uh but until we get that i'm i'm a little leery about it to be honest if, if someone is not legally in the country, then they're not legally in the country. So why are you counting them? They're not legally in the country. There's a Supreme Court decision on that very issue. It was under the Trump I know. administration. I thought it was um, it was he wanted to limit it to citizens. And they said that you have to count um, permanent residents. Uh, I, obviously, if you're transient, you can't count them. If some British guy happens to show up at a Hilton hotel for a meeting on the day of the census. He's not counted as part of, the, I mean, it's ridiculous. If you're not legally in the country, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, so I trust you as the lawyer, but I thought it really only meant uh, permanent residents. I, I can't imagine what they were thinking to think that it applied to everyone in the country, including transients, business visitors, and people who are not legally here. Well, I haven't read the opinion recently, so I don't want to drift too far into what I don't remember specifically. But my guess is they narrowly focused on some word like person. And, you know, a migrant is a person, uh, mm -hmm. a, a lawful permanent resident is a person. I mean, all these the all these all those uh, categories involve persons. And my guess is that they just focused on persons. But. I'll try and look it up this week, and maybe we'll talk about it more next week. I don't know. Is this going to affect the IVS thing that's going on now? Because does it say born persons? Does it say uh, outside the uterus persons? And the people who... Uh... You know, I, that case, I, I see a similarity between that case and the migrant issue that you just raised, Stephen. And, and it's that when you're dealing with some kind of absurdities... The best way to deal with them is just to cooperate fully and and just back off and let them have, you know, let the other side have the full impact of what they're asking for. And in the case of the migrants, like you said, we should ship them all to Silicon Valley and New York and Chicago and all these places and let them bear the full brunt of their choice. And likewise, I think that the same thing is happening with uh, with the personhood issue in Alabama. They took a ridiculous position that in vitro, that, you know, that embryos in, in, a, in a petri dish are persons, and now they're all scrambling. Even the most conservative religious people there 
are they're all scrambling to pass some legislation that'll exempt in vitro fertilization. But am I wrong that that was a pretty narrow decision applying to like specific circumstances and didn't just hold? Uh, yeah, that's the way I read it. I read it that's as um, they what what it okay. So the background of the story: you go in for. In in vitro fertilization, the woman takes a bunch of hormones, she gets uh, a bunch of eggs, they collect the eggs, it's a very painful and lengthy process. Um, uh, and then they get the semen from the man and they fertilize the eggs. And they get these, well, they're not they're not embryos, they're, they're blastocysts, which are really tiny, uh, multicellular organisms. And then they somehow decide which ones to implant and how many to implant. Usually they want to implant a bunch because many die. But if you're, you know, if you're against, uh, oh, and then, you know, they, they implant a bunch and then, you know, discard the rest. But some people don't want to discard the embryos because they believe they're human beings. That's their belief. And, or embryos, the blastocyst. So they, they implant some, two or three, and then they freeze the rest. In this particular case, the clinic discarded the frozen embryos against the wishes or not even I informing. I thought just somebody came in there and broke something by accident. That's what I thought. Well, it, they got discarded in, in whatever, and then they sued, uh, the parents sued um, the clinic and uh, they won. I, I don't think this has anything to do really with the personhood issue. I think the end, what ended up happening was um, the, uh, the court sort of went outside of its, its, its boundaries, right? Because it, you can, you can sue them for, I guess, wrongful death or, or something like that. And that's, you know, that's what they did, but it's it certainly, they, they certainly are have a liability uh, in, in the case, I, I don't whether it's whether it's wrongful death or you know involuntary manslaughter or whatever, um, they aren't charged criminally. So I don't see how this has any real effect. The Alabama legislature was meeting to pass legislation in response to it. So, however yeah. narrow the decision was, the legislature is is moved to action. But is that because they freaked out from the backlash and decided from the media instead yes. of reading it, let's fix something so. that may not even need fixing? That's what I'm wondering. I do believe that a lot of the, you know, in, you know everything in the media is fake, right? So I, I believe a lot. I, I think the only thing the Democrats think they can run on this year is is it um, is abortion, uh, abortion, and so whenever there's some sort of abortion related. Uh, issue, whether it's a, a, a woman who has a brain dead fetus that's going to, um, you know, that, that's threatening her life, but no doctor in Texas wants to uh, uh, perform an abortion on, on the fetus because he's afraid of being charged, which does happen um, because the laws are overbroad. Um, when that when that happens, then they blow it up into a national scandal and all the press covers it. And I think this Alabama case um, is is similar in that I don't think it's a big deal. I do think that the press is trying to do anything they can to show the, um, you know, to bring the abortion issue to the front and center. And, and like we said, no matter what you think of, of abortion, 
I do believe that the, the, the practical consequences of saying that um, personhood begins at conception is so, are so vast and that almost no one understands them. Like the birth control pill would be banned and all hormonal birth control would be banned. It would be condoms or nothing. Um, I, I don't think people grasp because they don't understand the actual biology of the situation. So any one of these, these snapback laws that banned abortion um, from conception uh, in these states that did when Roe was overturned, um, they're going to find these cases because, again, it does not make biological sense to be able to um, – to ban abortion starting at conception without, you know, having huge effects on the country that I think people don't understand. Okay. And I mean, the, the novel thing of this was saying even before implantation, um, which is another right thing that they draw, yes. you know, is it a person before implantation? related, but somewhat off topic. I don't hear of this so much in the States. But in Israel, there are constant battles over a harvesting sperm from dead soldiers. And then who owns that afterwards when typically one member of the couple wants to take it out of freezing and, and implant the baby somewhere and the other family doesn't want and the fighting over it. I mean, a lot of countries are going to have to deal with a lot of really, really complicated laws. If it's not a baby, what is it <laughs> that we're fighting over? And... I don't envy the legal world having to define something that can't necessarily, I mean, at that size, it's not even visible, is it? Uh, at the blastocyst stage, uh, I don't know. You might be able to see a speck without a microscope. Maybe a speck. I, I don't exactly I mean, know. I'm saying it's, it's <laughs> and yet, you know, depending on which side you're coming from, it's going to make a very big difference. So, all right. I must have wowed him because we lost him. No, he said that he might have to mute at certain points because he. Oh, died. I lost his picture. Okay. All right. So that gives, come back. that gives you a chance, Ed. What is, in your view, the biggest story of the week? Um, biggest story of the week. I'm not sure that there is a big story of the week. I mean, Trump. Trump won South Carolina. Everybody knew that was going to happen. Right. I agree. That's not a big story. The murder uh, turtle is going. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of that, too. McConnell is going to re uh, resign his... Medium story. Is there anybody surprised about that? Is is it a Trump pushing him out? Is he surrendering to Trump? Like, why is he doing that? Well, that's the interesting angle on the story. I had shared something with you guys privately a couple days ago that Trump was in negotiations with McConnell for an endorsement which I thought was bizarre given the antagonism of the two of them that he's had for McConnell for a while. And now McConnell is, is going to retire. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of, neither one made a whole lot of sense to me, but um, I don't think that McConnell's retiring because he's scared of Trump, if that's your implication. Well, that or do, don't think just he doesn't was... want to deal with him. I mean, a year ago, I don't think there was any indication that he was ever planning to leave this job. So I'm just wondering what has changed. Yeah, I mean, what's changed is in the last year, he's had a couple of, you know, mini strokes. So you think he's admitting that he's human? Well, I mean, it, I it didn't stop. Uh, 
it didn't stop. Uh, what's her name? San Francisco. Uh, Hello, Senator. Oh, die uh, Feinstein. Yeah, it didn't stop her. She she held on to that seat like grim death. By the way, for our scientists here, if he is indeed a turtle, don't they live very long lives? <laughs> okay. Potentially true. Uh, and this is in no way related, we don't think, to uh, Rana McDaniel also cashing in and leaving. They're just two totally coincidental stories, right? Um, I don't know if they're coincidental, but I don't think that they're necessarily strictly. I don't think they're they're right. They're not related, positive. but in both cases, it's seemingly giving Trump more influence within the party. He's trying to get Lara Trump to be the head of the RNC now, which. I find it's kind of interesting. So is the RNC giving in to him? Why did she finally leave? Well, remember, she Ronna was going to leave a while ago. Yeah. Only Ronna McDaniel is Ronna Romney McDaniel's daughter. Romney was the um, you know, 2012 Republican candidate, and he inserted his family into the you know, infrastructure of the Republican Party. And uh, Trump kept it, obviously. Uh, but now Trump is going to insert his family into it. And no, I don't agree with any of that. But uh, it is weird. Well, Trump, Trump, last year, there was a, you know, uh, what's her name? The lawyer, Harmeet Dillon, challenged Rona right. Daniel. And Trump supported Rona. Yeah. There's no explanation for why Trump has done a 360 or... Uh, a 180 on it but i mean that's trump you know the party says two plus two is four today and tomorrow yeah. is two plus two is five right i just find it interesting that until a few weeks ago when she announced she's gonna leave she wasn't backing down in any way and now she's out is it, i'm just saying is it almost like the republicans throwing up their hands and saying let trump have it that's all because they don't like trump the establishment people Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's the nominee, right? He gets to impose his will. That's how the parties work. Uh, I don't think that the establishment doesn't like Trump. I'm sorry? Some of them don't. I'm, not, I'm not convinced that the establishment as a whole doesn't like Trump. Some of them don't. But I think some of them are totally okay with him. Um, I don't think McConnell is, and I don't think McDaniel was. So... I just think it's interesting because it used to be Trump the outsider. I know you say Trump is as much establishment as, as an outsider, but it's almost like they're clearing a path for him. And I'm just not sure why they're doing that. And is that a good thing? Does that mean that if he becomes president, the Republican Party won't be bucking his agenda? There was this notion that Trump was meeting with McConnell to try and get an endorsement, not that Trump needs an endorsement from McConnell. Um, and then there's this thing that, oh, well, he's going to keep staying in the Senate, but he's going to leave as, as Republican leader. And I have a feeling that that was a Trump thing, that he, he absolutely refused to give an endorsement. And Trump or Trump's people uh, told him, then uh, you're going to have to leave. And I think he had a substantial backing from uh, a lot of the rest of the uh, a lot of the rest of the caucus, but also it's the money. It's all about money. Politics is all about money. 
And uh, I think um, what ended up happening is is Trump saying that he he would not he would direct the RNC not to give the senatorial, you know, the Republican senatorial commission or whatever that uh, money any money. If well, if in that sense, leave. the stories are related because he would have had they no are over that. Yeah, I mean they are, and I do. It's all about money. Who controls the money? And I think Trump wants to control the money. So that and and not McConnell. And I don't know about Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson is holding the line on. I mean, do you know that McConnell came out today and said the most important issue for Republicans is, Ukraine, is giving yeah. sixty billion dollars to Ukraine. Yeah. And like, you know, maybe I'm disconnected from the Republican Party, but I do read a lot and nothing I've read says that any Republican gives a shit about spending $60 billion to Ukraine or $20 billion to Israel or anything. The most important thing to Republicans is to seal the border. And Johnson is so far staying strong. Now, he's going to lose on this because the Democrats have a you know, he only has like one or two vote majority and the Democrats will all sign a discharge petition and then um, two or three Republicans will sign the discharge petition to bring it to the floor and then it will pass uh, with a huge majority. Um, and and Johnson, you know, who will have organized this, uh, can say, oh, I think it wasn't me and keep his speakership. So it's uh, it, it's all fake. And it's all about money. And, uh, you know, most a lot of that money uh, goes to defense contractors in America. So that the defense, the people like defense contractors like it. And a lot of that money goes directly to pay the government of Ukraine to continue operating. And that all gets kicked back to through various ways to various politicians in America and in other countries. And so everybody wants that. Again, it's just kind of interesting because Trump is not the one holding the money right now. And on the contrary, supposedly he's starving for money. And the status quo ante is that he would need them for money more than they would need him. So that's why it's it's kind of confusing. If they would have refused to give in on those issues and not helped him with money, he's the one in trouble, I thought. So I just think it's interesting. And does this mean that if he gets in, he's going to have more influence over the Senate? Like, who do you think is going to take over from McConnell? Is just going to go to the next in line or? The next in line is Cornyn, sec- uh, Senator from Texas. Right. Is it just going Rhino. to be the next in line or is there going to be any kind of fight? Well, that'll be I'd the, say the question of the 80%, day. 80% what? next in line. What do you say? I said, that'll be the question of the day. Is it going to be business as usual or is Trump going to exert his influence to get change to make change in the Republican leadership. Right. And does he have that influence, which is always the question to me, because my understanding of his first term was they bucked him at every turn. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, going back to his first term, I, I think, I think the evidence is pretty clear to me that McConnell worked together hand in hand in glove with, with Nancy Pelosi to stage the January 6th hoax. So I don't put anything past McConnell that he's not working with Democrats on on whatever it is he's doing behind the scenes to undermine Trump. So uh, I, 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 again, I, 
It's uh, if, a question. What we found out on January 6th, what we found out after January 6th is, is completely different than what we were thinking during January 6th. And I think what they were thinking is they were absolutely terrified. If you've seen uh, all of the pictures of the senators and, and representatives cowering like they were in, uh, in, in London during the Battle of Britain, um, and somebody told them that, probably the Capitol Police, and they they thought their lives were in danger. They they still think that. They were so terrified that day. They were so like viscerally, emotionally, like, oh my God, they're gonna kill us all. When in fact that was never going to happen. Uh, there was, you know, there was never going to be any violence in the Capitol that day. And the but it's blown up in their minds again it's the information war right that they really believe that they were that their lives were in danger i mean we see aoc you know has said that multiple times and she's been caught lying a bunch of times about where she was and what she what happened but i think they they were all propagandized enough by the capitol police and then the media which talked to the capitol police and then the capitol police and then the media that they all you know they're all they all believe it was some sort of horrible insurrection and that all of their lives were in danger when of course none of that is true um that yes i do think that mitch mcconnell uh and nancy pelosi you know upped the game on that because i really think they believed it i i really do i really think they believed it um and and once you get like set in a in a mindset, it's very difficult, even when presented with video evidence, uh, to change that mindset. I'm not sure I buy that one. Ed M, what do you think? Um, I'm I'm skeptical of that too. I I don't think that anybody, any of them, could reasonably believe that they were in danger. I, I mean, I think the Democrats were all in on the game. Um, I think mo many of the Republicans were in on it, and the only Republicans that weren't in on it were the ones that knew better anyway. I mean, Josh Hawley wasn't in, wasn't, didn't look like he was scared of it, uh, that he was going to be killed. You know, he was running away and he was trying to get out, you know, protect himself. I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I mean, I hear what Ed is saying, but. I mean, especially with what's coming out with those two bombs, you know, the RNC bomb and the DNC bomb and. and it, the whole thing seems like it was such a setup. It's hard. It to was a setup, but that doesn't mean the politicians would, were in the loop. But Pelosi was not scared. Pelosi was in the loop. Right. Pelosi was he was not scared. McConnell was not scared. Um, I don't know. I find it hard to believe. Maybe a few of them were scared, which doesn't speak well of them either. If they're so cowardly, I mean, there's <laughs> plenty of protection there. But whatever they are. They are, I mean, they, they are not like, like, I was wondering somebody like Ted Cruz, right? Because I remember the 2016 campaign. Remember that picture of Ted Cruz where he was like shirtless and tattooed and, and no. with, the, with the cigarette and everything. It was a cartoon. It was, it was like a drawing of, of Ted Cruz, the, the badass, you know what I mean? And I was wondering, it's like, why didn't Ted Cruz go out and talk to these people? And then I realized, oh, cause he's, I, I think of him in terms of what the cartoon thinks of him as, you know? But he's not like that in real life. Um, but you would think that somebody would have had the guts to go out into the 
chamber and talk would, to the protesters. Would they have been allowed to, or would they have been stopped by Capitol Police and said not to? In other, was well, that I'm sure the Capitol Police would have told them not to, but that doesn't mean they they couldn't. A free I, country. I, I don't think that. I don't think anybody would have bucked it at that point if a cop was telling them move on, don't don't get involved. Well, then protect. Well, you. then you you so, agree with my statement that. Um, the Capitol Police were hyping this up as this. That I definitely this, think. This huge right. yep. Remember, they're the ones who seemingly shot the first shots and you know, et cetera. Et cetera. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they hyped it up. So I don't think they would have allowed any Congress people to just go out and start schmoozing with the public at that point. So. So another know. thing that just came across, I know we have we have list of topics, but it, the. Uh, uh, the Supreme Court has issued a stay on the um, appeals court and will consider the president's um, immunity from cr criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office. So Trump made this, again, what seems to me, and I think what seemed to Ed, this preposterous statement that he was completely immune from prosecution for um, things he did in office. And, and like I said, I, I think that's that seems preposterous to me. But um, and that's what the appeals court re, uh, wrote. And uh, this this is related to I think the 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 Jack Smith's cases both in D.C. and in Florida. Um, and so it looks like the pre the Supreme Court will take this up. Um, the oral argument week of April 22nd, and then um, all the briefs are due before then. And I don't know when he'll, they'll make a decision. Well, they'll, they'll make a prompt decision or wait till June or have it held over to next year, um, which would stop those cases in their tracks. And it probably that's what they should do. I mean, if you want my opinion, they should probably just hold it over till next year and, and, us pause these cases, which were obvious election interference. They can't rule on the fact that they were election interference, but they can at least pause them until after, uh, until the October term. Okay. Well, speaking of courts, Adam, what's your take on um, Fannie and Nathan this week? Are they going they down? Are they going to be they're corrupt assholes? They're, they're corrupt assholes. I mean, nothing surprises me from them. Are they going to be disqualified and will it affect the case? Um, I don't know the particulars well enough to say whether they'll be disqualified. The little that I've seen on the particulars suggests that they will be disqualified, but um, I, I don't have an opinion on that. It's, I don't know. Um, I don't think it matters. Um, you know, if they bring another prosecutor in, another prosecutor is not going to countermand his boss, his or her boss, and dismiss the case. They're going to prosecute him. That's that's the game. I don't know if everybody would be that dedicated to it like her. I don't know. Well, I mean, she hires the people in her office. I mean. You know, they're not. Okay, then if know, for no other reason that they don't want anal exams. Well, remember all of these cases, well, the New York case and the Florida case and the uh, and the Atlanta case, 
Um, they're all misdemeanors um, that are being treated as felonies because of Trump, because Orange Man bad. And in the Atlanta case, I don't think there's any case at all there. All, all you know, whether you're organizing alter, alternate slate of electors or whether you're challenging or tweeting things, you know, challenging the election results, all of that is protected um, by the First Amendment and by history since it was done so many other times. So, I mean, the, the question with the Atlanta case is, yes, it's all tied together by this felony RICO statute that some people have pled guilty uh, to lesser lesser crimes. Nobody's pled guilty to the RICO, but that's the thing that felonizes it. Um, and it the, the whole thing is garbage, but um, that in particular is garbage. And if 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 the RICO thing goes away, I don't think there's anything they really, it, it just becomes a $250 fine, you know? So I, I don't know what the point would be then, you know? So I That's guess what I'm suggesting is- The point just is because... propaganda. They want a propaganda victory. They don't care. Do you think they really care about getting the money from him? Okay, they care about let's, humiliating. Go, let's go to what we always say, all right? We know that the other side has succeeded in punishing and intimidating any lawyer who wants to go anywhere near protecting anybody on the right. We always say we need to play rough too. And this seems to be a case where Trump's lawyers started to play rough and is exposing secrets of the other side and it is going to damage them in some way. Yes, they'll work at CNN and make a million dollars, but it's messing with their careers. And will it now play out that other people don't want this? You know, they don't want to be palinized on the left. Until now, they're never palinized on the left. If they think that that's going to happen, I think you're right. But I don't see any evidence that that it's a coordinated effort, that it's going to that that Trump or the Republicans in general are going to do this across the board. Well, why would if they did it to stop this case, then why would they stop just because the names change and everybody's got skeletons? You know, I hope you're right. I, I I don't know that the people involved on our side are smart enough to to make this a, a full fledged plan. So, are we surprised? One that of these this. I mean, this is pretty cool that they fought back this way. Yeah, I mean, one of these days, I want to write a book, "The Virtue of Ruthlessness," right? Um, because the the Republicans don't ever seem to have the killer instinct, and. Uh, the Democrats always have the killer instinct. Okay, um, so Ed, would you admit that in this case they're doing they're going further than we normally would think they would? Yes, but I'm not so sure it was Trump. I thought it was some of his co-defendants who were doing. Yeah, it may have been his co-defendants, but they're not going to you know not do it to somebody else. You know, right. it's usually the Democrats who try to unseal divorce records and pull out dirty personal business, etc., to win. And I think it's almost in a weird way, refreshing. It's what we keep saying, fight back. In a sense, this is, we're going to come after you personally. And I don't know. I don't know where it's going to end. And you're right, it may not be Trump's people, but it's still a good thing. It's just a little bit of check that we may hit back. Well, you know, in 1921, they marched the entire family of the czar, including little girls, into a room and machine gunned them. And these are the same people. So they will go after people's families. They will go after, um, you know, any sort of thing they can get their hands on. 
Uh, so it's, uh, you got to be ruthless enough back. I mean, not, not ruthless enough to um, break the law, but if the law is on your side, like the Hillary Clinton thing, lock her up, lock her up. Well, she deserved to be locked up or at least tried, or she deserved to be tried because I, I, again, with those sorts of things, you know, there's this gentleman's agreement, et cetera. Um, But she deserved to be charged and tried. And if you're not going to do that, then, and people are saying, well, you know, it would set a bad precedent. Well, okay, well, the precedent is now set, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) trust me. Trump's not prosecuting Hillary, has not done a damn thing for him. Um, And so that was a mistake, although I guess it's important to understand who, quote unquote, fires the first shot, and it it was the left. Right, not to mention which... She would not have been convicted by any jury, and for maybe that, not. Alone, but she should have been charged. I would be charged if that happened. If I did, because that. you would be convicted by a jury. She wouldn't. And what prosecutor wants to make a fool of himself that way? And the same thing with Biden. Again, he can't be prosecuted while he's president for what he did um, as vice president and, and uh, when he was out of office, um, because you can't prosecute yourself in way of a unit unitary executive but by god if he's out of office he should definitely be prosecuted for uh his mishandling of classified information and the this you know the the report that just said oh well he's just a confused old man no jury we convict him that's not a legal that is not a legal opinion that 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 is that is as i said a couple weeks ago Let's let's bring a case in a red district in Texas or Alabama or Mississippi and see whether or not any jury would convict him. Same thing with Hillary. Yeah, let's 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 try them. You know, they're trying Trump in in New York and D.C. and and Atlanta. Let's let's try that. Let's try their people in our courts. See how they like it. Right. But but you would have had to find some action against Hillary, not in D.C. or New York. So, yeah, that's the problem is is. You know, we're, we have to get our people. I guarantee out you that Hillary got emails from from all fifty states. Excuse me, fifty seven. Wasn't she working for Obama at the time? She was okay. So, yeah, I, I guess you're right. You know more about that than I do, obviously. So that would make the crime. She scrubbed the emails. I mean. Even so, an email that originated in another state would make it a crime for her to scrub them in New York. You're not thinking the way they do. Bring the case, make her make that, let her make that argument, and let her say, Oh, this has to be prosecuted in DC or this has to be prosecuted somewhere else. Let her make that argument. We should just bring the case and make her let's see what she says. Okay, I don't disagree with that part. That's pretty cool. All right. And apparently there's another go- government shutdown supposedly looming. I think they made a deal this afternoon, didn't they? Did they? Make this afternoon? I haven't yeah. listened to the news in an hour. <laughs> How much is the deal costing us? Well, they've already got an arm and a leg, so I'm not sure what else they can get from us. But you know it's not a good deal. The only good deal would have been to shut the government down, and they didn't do that. So It'll never happened, right? Never, ever, ever. So the thing about these deals is that um, 
it shows that they're making some sort of progress towards an agreement. Now, we may not like that agreement, but if they were still far away, they would not make Why? They, they, they always give in because they don't want to shut down the government. The, the speaker's job is, you know, hangs by a thread. And if he doesn't, you know, get half or more of his caucus on board um, for whatever deal, he's going to lose his job. So he has to get half his caucus or more. Majority of Republicans. By half. I mean, he needs basically the whole caucus because it only takes two defections for the Democrats. Well, I mean, if the Democrats all agree, if the Democrats all agree with the deal that their leadership made, then, you know, obviously they'll get the Democrat caucus, but he won't even bring it to, he, he won't, he won't even bring it to the floor unless more than half the Republicans are on board. That's the deal. So, I mean, that's the condition of his, his speakership, right? There was this in the old, you know, when it was the last clown, um, any one person could bring a vote to end the speaker, to declare the speakership vacant. And that's what happened. Um, when they brought Johnson in, the deal was he would not advance any bills without a majority Republican support, but that it would go back to the old way of you know, one person can't um, call for the removal of the speakership. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to read this story, which is slightly interesting for me to understand. The headline, Attorney General Paxton wins case challenging $1.7 trillion federal funding bill passed unconstitutionally. So my understanding is that a state attorney general sues saying Congress passed the bill illegally by not having a quorum and a court is agreeing that that bill is not in effect, at least for certain reasons. A, is that fighting back hard? B, I thought courts never like to get involved in something Congress does because, quote, they make their own rules, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if you guys got a chance even to read the story. I did. And the interesting part about it is Congress never has a quorum. Almost all business is done with like eight people in the, in the thing. And it's, you know, the speaker, you know, whoever has the gavel, not the speaker of the house, but, you know, the, the person who's in the speaker's chair says, uh, looks around and says, oh, we have a quorum. And that gets written into the, that gets written into the minutes or whatever, uh, the congressional record. And he says, you know, he asks unanimous content to pass this $1.7 trillion bill. Uh, any nays and there's no nays because there's only eight people there and it's like okay it passes and that's how it works i thought that they were always running back for votes that was my understanding that's why the guy went through the fire door or something that's what i thought that happens more in the senate in the senate that the senate tends to keep um more towards the tradition but not 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 now so and and a lot of stuff is done without forums so it's it's just it, you're not supposed to do something. I mean, the unwritten rule is you're not supposed to do anything controversial without people there. Um, but they, you know, it, it's all fake. 
So what's How many the, times about this case that it got to a court, that a court ruled on it? I mean, yeah. we've been doing this. Well, apparently, I, I, again, the details of the case don't have to do with the spending, but a particular part of the law. Um, and I don't remember what it was, but it applied to this, you know, to, to the defendant or the plaintiff rather. And and he sued over it. And he, they're like, yeah, nobody was there. Right. So it can't be right. Uh, so it, it applies just to the plaintiff. I don't know whether it has any effect um, beyond the okay. individual. Has plaintiff. this ever been done before that somebody challenged the law because of a quorum? Never heard of it before. So it's it's another fighting back kind of thing. Can you imagine if we actually required our representatives to be in the chamber and to, um, you know, do their job? Like I thought they were there to vote. You're telling me something that I've never heard before. I thought they did come to vote, and that's about it. They come to vote on controversial issues. And, and again, this is more, the Senate is much more traditional than the House. But yeah, they, they do all sorts of things with that quorum. In fact, one of MTG's uh, accomplishments, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, is she went and, and sat in the uh, mostly empty house and objected to all of these. When they threw her off her committees, remember, because, I don't know, she was Republican, um, she just went and sat in the chamber and objected to all the unanimous consent uh, motions and really made a pain in the ass out of it, which is one of the reasons why the previous speaker, I, whose name escapes me, McCarthy, McCarthy, um, gave her committee assignments back in this. In this, get her out of the room. Yeah, is this quorum a constitutional thing or it's a congressional rule? It's a congressional rule. That's the interesting thing. Or no, maybe it's on the constitution. No, I that I don't know. Constitution. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's in. Let me look it yeah, up. It's, but... Yeah, it's got to be in the constitution because the rules aren't justiciable. But the Constitution is, you're absolutely right. It's got to be in the Constitution. So then how, <laughs> I know it's a dumb question. How do they get away with it? Why doesn't everybody challenge every law? Well, like I said, it's only really done standing. for the. Uh, and also there's a standing problem. Yeah. Even if they do something illegal, somebody has to have standing. You have to show that you have particularized injury. Right. Right, but I mean, there's got to be plenty of laws that that. Yeah, would... majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business. Absolutely. Yep. Section uh, Article One, Section. And by the five. way, what does "to do business" mean? Vote, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's not what it says, which is interesting. Well, the the thing is, each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns the qualifications of its own member, and a majority shall constitute a quorum to do business. But a smaller number may adjourn from day to day and may be authorized to compel the attendance of absent members in such manner and under such penalties as each house may provide. Each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. So... Yeah, this is just justiciable because it's in the Constitution. And the court has arrogated itself the responsibility to judge what the Constitution means. So, yeah, the standing issue, like Ed said, somebody comes up with the, hey, this affects me, not because of the money, but because of some rider in it, and it uh, goes to a judge, you know, probably has the probably has the film from C-SPAN showing nobody's there, right? That's just, 
it's just pretty weird coming 250 years, you know, later that this is all of a sudden coming up. This Without C-SPAN, how would anybody know? Yeah. Adam, you have the same take on this? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think this is the first time it's been tried. I mean, I remember there was a similar kind of challenge to Obamacare. It wasn't the quorum rule, but it was the the rule about um, tax bills having to originate in the House. And the original Obamacare uh, legislation in the Senate, yeah. Right, which started in the Senate, but what they did. Yeah. And, but they they used one of their what they did was they they uh, the House took took some other bill that had been uh, that had been voted down and they just said, well, we want to amend this old bill and we'll substitute it and put this other bill in. And then they put Obamacare on that. And that was how they got around it. But that was part of a challenge that was brought to the Supreme Court at some point, wasn't it? That's what I'm saying. They, they're, people have tried these kind of creative arguments before. I don't think this is completely novel, but they don't usually. It's hardly work. a creative argument. It's kind of plain black and white. Why is it creative? It's, it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> so the average Joe like me, who's not a member of Congress, it seems pretty wild that they don't follow even the basic constitutional rule of a quorum. Because I literally always assume they did. I remember my dad worked in the Rayburn building and I was a little boy. He took me on the little subway and he said, this is what the Yeto and Wind is about. And they all go running. So I just assumed for the last 50 some years that they go for votes. But now you're saying yeah, this is the first I've ever heard that they don't have quorum on a regular basis. I don't I mean, I'm not saying, Ed, you're wrong. That's but what I, I'm wondering. Yeah. How many votes are taken without a quorum? And then if they're taken without a quorum, does any member of Congress have I mean, I don't know. Just justiciable standing? What what does a member of Congress do when he walks back in the room and said, you know what, there were only 150 people there when you guys voted. This is illegal. I would think a member of Congress has standing. I don't know how Ken Paxton got standing. There must have been something in the legislation that negatively impacted Texas. And that was the basis for him. Okay, let, let's say, Ed M., that we didn't like you and we made you a member of Congress. And you went in. And that would be more than not liking me. That would be hating me, if not despising me. Right. Okay. I don't like to use tough words. And you go in there and you're like, what the heck is going on here? You guys just voted on a whole bunch of things and there were 12 people in this room. Do you have any recourse? That's what I'm asking. I would think a member of Congress would have standing to to bring a challenge that the that a law wasn't that the quorum rule wasn't followed, but I'm not sure. I mean, I'd have I'd have to do some thinking and legal research on it. What would a you know how would a a successful you know if the court rules in in my favor, what remedy helps me? I mean, I guess I guess I would I would get redressed by having the law struck down. I guess I would. I think I would probably have standing. I think so, but I, I'm not sure. The standing so question. This basically real goes on because people, the whole Congress, kind of turns its head and lets it happen. That's sort of what we're saying. 
I if think Ed you correct, guys. If Ed is correct, then I'm sure that the reason it goes on is because at some point, every single one of them wants something passed under the color of darkness. And that's how they do it. I, 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 okay, so Congress, right? It's all about money. So Ed, Ed is elected congressman. For some miraculous reason, and he gets there, and the first thing they tell him is, "You're a uh, you're a freshman congressman. You do what you're told, or you're not going to get any committee assignments, especially the ones that are important to your constituency, and you're not going to get any money for re-election. So you're going to have to raise it all yourself from small donors, which is what MTG basically has done, and a couple others. And um, if you don't play ball, now Ed." Being a man with integrity uh, would basically say, fuck you, I'm only going to serve one term and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But you can't even get to that position without um, without being uh, compromised in in the yeah, compromised anyway. And this goes far. This goes even beyond the fact that the, the congressman the other day said that the FBI, CIA has um, compromise on all of the congressmen or almost all the congressmen get them to do what they want when they want it. Um, it just it just goes, you know, they they do a, uh, you know. Background enema on you and every little thing you've done from the parking ticket or the accident or or, um, you know, whatever happened in your past. Um, you know, they they know it all. Um, the moment you take the oath of office. Uh, so it's, you know, you've got to understand that, 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 you know, why doesn't a congressman say, hey, it wasn't a quorum. Why don't we just challenge this? It's because of that, right? That's so that's the worst thing. They're all cowed. Yeah, that's why. they, they it, and, and when you get someone who is not cowed, like, um, MTG on our side or AOC on the other side. AOC is now cowed, by the way. Um, but let's take Il- mostly domesticated. Yeah, she's been domesticated. Like take Ilan Omar, right? She hasn't quite been domesticated yet. Um, they are uh, very. Um, they're put in a box, and uh, they're not allowed to get out of the box. Now MTG has a, a tremendously large. Uh, constituency outside of her, you know, North West Georgia hometown. And so she can raise the money herself. Um, and of course, Dylan Omar is a lock because of, of being the representative from Somalia. So, I mean, those are people who can buck the system, but random guy is just not well, a woman. Speaks to what I always say. Do. Most people in Congress have absolutely zero power which in itself is quite interesting. And, and they also have had their integrity surgically removed yes. on the way towards Congress. I totally agree with you. I've been saying that for years. You don't even get that close without having yeah. integrity totally compromised. That one I do agree with you on. This is very sad. If somebody wants to research how often like, I, votes without quorums, I'd be interested. I think Ilan Omar has uh, a tremendous amount of integrity. Ah, shit. What? Oh, I th- I'm sorry that I'm, I'm having problems, but I think Ilan Omar has a tremendous amount of integrity. I mean, she believes what she believes. She said it. Now, it was in 
from Somali language, but she said it. You're right. I don't know. I I don't know if that means she has integrity. That's a longer speech. I mean, if she married her brother and all that other stuff, I don't know. But I would say she's dedicated to her cause. Yeah, I'm going to have to go and come back. Okay. Now, Bobert is is pretty much out, it sounds like. Where did you hear that? That they redistricted her out, and it doesn't look like the last headline I saw is it doesn't look good for her to be reelected. Oh, I thought you were talking about whether she's going to get laid tonight. Who, Bobert? Yeah. Ed, I'm a man of the clock. Huh? Discuss these things. I'm a man of the clock. Yeah. Um, that is an interesting. On, that's, uh, that's just her permanent image in my head. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't seem to be of the highest class. Um, I haven't seen the the redistricting. Why would there be redistricting in 2024 in Colorado? I mean. Redistricting should have happened two years ago. Ed P, what did they do to Lauren Boebert? Didn't they redistrict her out pretty much? In 2020, they changed the districts so that she was in a marginal constituency. And she only won by a few hundred votes. And I think she's decided not to run in that constituency. I think she's, she's going to run in a different district. I think she moved and she's going to run in a different district. Yes. And I, I, I don't even know whether you're, I, I don't I think it's a state by state thing and you could correct me with I'm wrong Ed but I don't think a legislator has to live in the district they represent they have to live in the state but I don't I think don't, they have to live in the district I don't think they have to live in the district and there's even uh some people say that uh uh what's his name uh what was that uh the the California the senator Huh? Yeah, yeah. Who who lives in Maryland? Oh yeah, yeah. Hasn't been back yeah, to California yeah. in how many years? Right now, that's clearly um, that's that's clearly wrong. I mean that. that well, that's, that's not living wrong. in the state versus living in the district. In New York State, by the way, I believe to be a New York State senator, you do have to live in your district. I don't know so much about the House, but well, you're it, talking about the New York Legislature or the federal legislature? No, the New York, the New York State Legislature. I know to live. To be in the New York State Senate, you got to live in the district. That I know. Yeah, I don't think that the states can impose that restriction on members of the House or Senate because that would be a a, a state law that conflicts with the constitutional requirements for office. Are there constitutional requirements for state offices? No, for federal. No, I'm talking about for state senators. Oh, right. I said it, I think it only apply can only apply to state. Right. Offices. No, not United States senators. Say say senators. Right. Yeah. We agree. Can we talk about this ballerina for a minute? Nobody following the case of this poor dual citizen ballerina who was arrested in Russia and is possibly going to be charged with all kinds of stuff, including treason, because she gave 50 some dollars to Ukraine and the whole world is up in arms. You guys haven't heard about this story? I have not heard. And I usually hear about these. Sorts oh, of yeah. Things, but that's it's in show yeah, notes. It's just Google ballerina arrested in Russia. But maybe maybe I'm crazy, but I tend to think if you give money to an enemy of a country in which you're a citizen, you have committed a crime, haven't you? No matter how much yeah. money. 
Yeah, if in 1942 I wrote a check to you know Adolf Hitler fifty dollars, uh, they would not take too kindly to that. You so know, I'm, that I'm not, not quite sure why everybody's saying, "Oh, but he's going to be afraid to go to Russia or afraid of this." She's a Russian citizen, and she gave money to an enemy. I don't. But if you guys aren't following the story, no, I mean the story. The story is the opposite. The story is they're going to charge uh, Tucker Carlson with a crime for violating the sanctions for going to Russia. And interviewing Putin. Do you think they're going to, first of all, why did the sanction, the sanction said he couldn't go to Russia? What does it say? I, who knows what the sanctions say? They're all, it's all nonsense anyway. But uh, I, I guess it was some sort of, uh, you know, giving, I mean, hell, they might uh, go after um, uh, Elon on it too for platforming. I, I have no idea. I, none of it makes any sense. But the I read an article the other day saying that there was some uh, U.S. attorney looking into it, and uh, they think they were going to bring charges within the next month. I saw a headline that seemed like it was kind of a far out thing, but you may be up on it more than I am. I don't know if that would play well. I think. And now again, you know, on the Heritage thing, the Catherine Heritage thing, they backed down CBS. Yeah, they did. They gave her back her, her toys, um, which I thought is interesting. Now, I didn't understand. Does that mean that they keep a copy? Because wasn't that the problem? No, I think I think the, uh, they um, officially will not be keeping a copy. Of course, unofficially, they will right. be but keeping a copy. We all know that. Right. But, right. Officially, but officially, they, will not they be did give her back her stuff, which is interesting that even a left-wing media organization backed down when something was bad enough. So I think the kind of the same thing would happen if somebody went after Tucker for this. I don't know. And where would the, in which jurisdiction would they try to pull that one off? Oh, I know DC circuit where they can get a conviction for doing anything. Right. Now, would he have to be in DC for that to happen? No, no. He lives in Maine. They'll just, they'll just charge him in DC and make him fly down. I, what okay? Let's see. All these laws that have to do with other countries written into them is what the jurisdiction is. I'm sure it's DC. I don't know that for a fact. That's always what they do. So if you are a you commit a pirate piracy, you know, or you know, air piracy or something like that in Malaysia, you you know you're you're tried in the DC sir. I, unless the law says otherwise. So I would be shocked if. Um, these sanctions laws weren't prosecuted in D.C. But we don't know what sanctions supposedly violated. I'd like to see the story. I'd like you to share the story with us. I would about- like to share the story, too, and I cannot find it, and I apologize. Um, we can ask Google, though. You can ask Google AI Gemini. Yeah, Google AI Gemini. Show me a picture of Tucker Carlson, and it'll be Eddie Murphy. Um <laughs> I can't keep track of the Gemini and the ChatGBT, and then there's another name out there. And I'm oh, there's all of them now. There's, uh, Gab has its own AI. In fact, Gab has personalized AI where they just train it on the, and they're supposed to interact like the person, but they don't really. They don't really do that. Um, you know, if, all I know is like, if I open up a Google page, I get hit with their stuff, and I happen to use Bing more than Google for the most part because I like Microsoft Edge. But they're also all the time pushing their AI thing. Yeah, I haven't used the Bing AI. I have used. I I do pay for ChatGPT four, and um, I had a, a fairly interesting argument with ChatGPT four, um, prompted by a friend of mine, 
about Christian nationalism today, which is totally off topic. Um, and uh, ChatGPT4, uh, trying to get at the biases of ChatGPT4, because I, I, I was asking it descriptive questions and it was giving me um, normative answers. It was giving me evaluative answers. Um, it is it, a very interesting conversation. Um, it, it's not quite like talking to an SJW, but it's close. <laughs> it's very close. <laughs> um, so it. You know what yeah. this reminds me of? Are you guys uh, into the first Star Trek? Well, I've watched all of those episodes a billion times. Right. Yes. So I mean, the one where William Shatner had to uh, trick that master computer that had taken over the ship, he had to like confuse it until it exploded. It's almost what the sounds yes. arguing with AI. Well, the weird thing was, I, and I, I, you know, of course this is not a thing, but I, I, I just asked it to describe Christian nationalism. And it, it said, you know, what are the policy desires, you know, displaying Christian symbols on public property, incorporating prayer in public schools, government funding for religious institutions, a Christian interpretation of history and public school curricula, restrictions on abortion, limits on non-Christian immigration, and policing of behaviors they consider immoral, often, often targeting LGBTQ plus communities. So that's what it said as the policy prescription. And so my obvious question was, well, okay, so you're saying the United States pre the 1960s was a Christian nationalist nation. And I was like, oh no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Like, but you're, and you, but you can't reason with it because it's not a human being. You know, you can't, you can't get it to norm and coordinate like in the Star Trek episode because it'll just, it'll go back and forth, right? You well, can't in Star say, Trek okay. it exploded. So I'm wondering if you could get your computer to explode. I don't want my computer to explode. I want the, I want the, uh, you know, the Gemini. Well, Gemini exploded because it got so, it got so humiliated on Twitter for its absurd uh, answers to questions um, that they turned off the picture generation. But people are now asking it questions, you know, inability, inability to um, credit uh, white people for their, you know, creations, inventions, art, whatever. And they, they're asking text questions and it's, and it's doing the same thing, like name five American scientists and they're all black, right? That is, you know, that that sort of thing. So even in the text, it's completely and utterly uh, fake. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's really nice to see a company self-destruct. I was very happy with the Bud Light self-destruct and I, I'm very happy with the Google uh, Gemini self-destruct. Okay. Um, I believe Schweitzer's new book came out yesterday. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to read it. I bought the Audible version. I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. Supposedly, some of his books in the past have made some bit of a difference. Is which particular one is this? Because I, read I think so the, the new one is Blood Money. I think. Yeah. And, and that was the. Watch. It's the one on on the Biden crime family, right? By the powerful turned a blind eye while China kills Americans. Oh, oh, so it's sort of fentanyl type. It's supposed thing, right? to be quite yeah. explosive. Why do you buy Audible? I mean, given what they're doing to manipulate electronic history, why not get a real book and have it in your hand in your library? Ah, so first of all, I'm going to give you the phone number of my shrink. And you could ask, <laughs> me, but I, I never read books. I, I am a total screen nut. Every book I have, I know this is insane. But I can trust one of you as a lawyer, Ed, I don't know if you have confidentiality laws as well, 
I scan every book I have. And I what does it. that mean? That means I scan every book I own and I read it on my phone or my screen. You we were just talking about audible books. How do you scan like paper books that would take forever? It doesn't. Um, I destroy the binding, cut the book, and run it through a machine. When it works, it takes about four minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm well, not a total nut because I have my entire library on my phone and I like it that way. For some reason, my kids actually do like books. I can't tell you the last time I read a book book. Also, for those of you remember, who I listen to audiobooks. Audiobooks. So I get something from them if I'm in the car or the gym and I listen to them a few times because I know I'm never going to sit and read a book. Not going to happen. I have like 600 audiobooks at Audible and um, there is a program which costs 10 bucks called open audible, which will strip all the DRM from it and save it to your hard disk as a uh, file that okay. even if Amazon took every book away from you tomorrow, you would still have it for the rest of your life. We're going to, we're um, going to discuss that after the show. Cause I don't want to go to jail with you, but uh, all right. What didn't we get to today, guys? What didn't we get today? Uh, Well, I'm going to leave the crypto stuff to Ed um, because uh, because he's Mr. Crypto. Um, he's Mr. Anti-Crypto. Yes. I mean, uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the protests in, in Europe are, are still going on pretty strong as far as the um, they're protesting the implementation of net zero policies that um, are going to cause farmers to go out of business. And, uh, you know, I, I, and Germany is learning that if you uh, insist on electrifying everything and insist on uh, not having any reliable electrical plants, you don't have any electricity. So it's uh it's just more madness. Follow Eva Vlar on Twitter. Ava, really. Her name's Ava. Yeah. English, it's Eva. I don't Ava. want to go into a long topic at the end of the show, but the German foreign minister or something just basically outed all the Western intelligence agencies. Is that what happened? You mean being in Ukraine? Yes. What? Is that slip of the tongue? Why would anybody do that? I, I I have no idea, but I mean, I you know, who didn't know that the CIA was active in Ukraine? Okay, who didn't know that Israel has nukes, but they still don't say it? Yeah, it's a game we play. So I don't know. Did Did Putin tell Tucker that uh, we all had boots on the ground in Ukraine? I didn't listen to the interview, but he did say something like that. Yes. There was allegedly a leak uh, earlier last year um, that I did not personally see, but allegedly it said uh, it it said that the U.S. had a number of of troops in uh, in Ukraine. It was a small number. I, I don't I didn't see it, so I don't remember what it said. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't we didn't talk about Navalny being dead. Did we mention it last week already? I, we did, yeah. And yeah. my oh, okay. my my view is that he died. I, I, it wasn't murder. That is died of natural causes. And now well, then the question begs why did they hide the body for two weeks? 
Yeah, because they're Russians. Stupid <laughs> Russians. I mean, I guess the sad part for me is every time I read any of these stories now, I keep going back, wait a minute, we're no better. And that's just very painful for me. So whether it's and that's what my, Tucker, and that's what Tucker learned. That's what Tucker learned. And right in now, Russia. I would not have said what he said at the time, but it's very, very sad that we seem to be doing. I, I saw an article today or yesterday. I may have shared it with you guys and with somebody basically writing how he's seen in the last few years that everything he believed about America being the good guys isn't true. And I promise you, I didn't write it, but I often feel that way. And I, that's very sad. Well, I think, you know, we're led by criminals, but I think the the vast majority of the people who work for the CIA or the military or whatnot are patriotic Americans. They just uh, are led by criminals and traitors. And Ed, I have to run, unfortunately, exactly at 7.15. So Ed, I you got leave Ed to clean up. Well, I'll just quickly touch on, Ed, you mentioned crypto. Bitcoin is on a bull run. Uh, there's there's a lot of speculation that uh, large companies like BlackRock and Vanguard and all these other uh, institutional investors, all they have to do is put you know one percent of their trillions and trillions of assets into Bitcoin, and it's going to push it through the stratosphere. Um, I I also think that there's stuff that's happening in March. Uh, we talked about it a couple months ago on the show that uh, the banks might have some issues in March uh, and people might be pulling money out of banks and putting it into the into Bitcoin and all other alternative investments. Uh, the other story also that I was going to bring up was an economic one. Uh, Japan announced that it's in recession. Uh, that that marks uh, Japan, uh, Germany, the European Union generally. Uh Great Britain, uh, all in recession. China is, we have, we don't have real numbers from China, but we believe that China is in recession as well. And uh, the U.S. is is prospering right now. And uh, a lot of people think that we're, we're in the 1930s right now. And there's a lot of talk about Putin being Hitler. Uh, but I think it's closer to say that we're, we're in 1928 right now when, uh, the world's capital was sucked into the U.S., uh, and we enjoyed a tremendous boom in the late 20s while the rest of the world was going down the drain. And the Depression started in uh, in Europe and the rest of the world in uh, 1928. Didn't hit us until second half of 1929. We'll see what's coming. Um, but that's that was the story that struck me was that Japan is is now in recession as well as almost all the other industrialized nations except for the U.S. and the U.S. is not just not in recession but seemingly prospering. All right, well, we we count on you to keep your finger on the uh, pulse of the world economy, which I will never totally understand, but. I try and share things with you, Stephen. When you say sell, I'm going to sell. That's all I know. What am I going to sell? I have no idea. <laughs> All right. I'm going to wrap up for this evening. Um, please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Please visit libertyblock.com for the latest in stories and opinions. And we will be back here next week at our regular time. Have a wonderful evening.